0: Yak babies. Sex
1: presidents and sometimes books.
0: Welcome to Yak Babies, only podcast on the internet sponsored by Uncle Fester's Faster Plaster Blaster. The only thing spooky about your wall jobs will be how fast they get done. My name's Aaron here, are my personal pals Dave. Morning, boys. Good morning. We have Brick. It's not actually morning, but hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the afternoon <laughs> Uh, and, uh, calling from all the way in country, we have young American Nico. Uh, morning, boys. Ah, uh, yes. It's, yeah. you we're also, the East Coast, so it's also afternoon for you. <laughs> How long
2: until he becomes old Maine Nico?
0: Oh, that's really good. Old Maine Nico. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> we'll work on that. Get the boys in the lab on that work. But folks, it's been a while. We've been on hiatus for a little bit, and so as we are swinging back into things in our little holiday, you know, the little holiday quarter, The you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's time, Hanukkah is there as well, you got Kwanzaa and so forth, uh, we wanted to just like check in and see what people are reading these days. I want to hear from my personal pals and see what they've been enjoying with their eyes and possibly ears. Uh, we'll start with Brick first. Brick, what have you been reading lately?
2: All right. I actually read books for once. Nice, good job. So first, I'm not going to talk about it, but I read The Library at Mount Char, uh, which Nika recommended oh. in our, what did we end up calling it? it wasn't Secret Secret Santa, Book Roulette, whatever uh, whatever it was, uh, so I'm going to yeah. save that, and we'll get its own episode, because we're going to do those with all of ours.
0: Uh, nice. All right. Secret Library? Secret Santa? Whatever it was, girl. it's already been typed and posted, so oh.
2: it's up there. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> <joke>. <laughs> um. All right, this one I haven't finished. Uh, It's called The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. And it Mm -hmm. is a horror, maybe? I'm not far enough here to know if it's horror. It's presenting itself as horror. Okay. By a Native American writer. Uh, It's about this guy who, uh, when he was younger, sort of disrespectfully killed an animal. And then he is being stalked by... This thing that appears to be like a ghost elk that's like murdering people. Uh, well, I'm only I'm like halfway through, so so far I like it. The writing's not the best, but it's uh, not bad, and the the atmosphere and the um, and the pacing are pretty good. So uh, I'll report back. But
1: yeah, that guy's awesome. Uh, I've read a few of his and Aaron. Has, one of his books. Um, a sort of like a fictionalized memoir set in Texas was the, the runner up to the Dana Spiata book that I picked for your secret. Santa. Oh, cool. So I'll pass you that title. I think you'd yeah. like
0: it. So, so oh, Dave, oh, sorry. No, is that book horror as well, Dave, or is that a different genre? No, okay.
1: it's a different genre.
2: Yeah. So far I'm really like, I just started a couple of days ago and I just churned through the first 200 pages or 150 pages. So um, I'm looking forward to reading the rest.
0: Well, what got you onto that? How did you come on that book?
2: It was some, some person I don't know had one of those lists on either Twitter or Reddit or something. I like, here's the, here's mm. the books I read for October, uh, spooky books, and it, it, it sounded good, so uh, I picked it up. Nice. so far, I like it quite a bit. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, actually I'll say that one because this one's in the middle of the spectrum. Uh, we got a graphic novel. Uh, by Andrew McLean. It's not a graphic novel, I guess, because this is just volume one. It's a book called Head Lopper.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard good things about that. Andrew
2: McLean. Uh, this is the first volume. I think it's five issues.
0: Yeah, uh, it's pretty call good. Called a trade paperback. Well,
2: it's a little. It's pretty thick, though. Probably still. a trade. Yeah, yeah.
0: But if it's a collection of issues, you call it a trade versus. A graphic so, but novel.
2: they but they bunch together and like it's a complete. I'm not yeah sure, but uh, it's called Headlopper and the Island, uh, or a Plague of Beasts, and I guess each like collection is like a distinct like collection of. So there's a beginning, middle, and end here. Uh, there's like four chapters and then an epilogue.
0: Like a full arc. Yeah. Cool. It's
2: good. It kind of like a mix between Adventure Time and Conan the Barbarian, maybe. Hmm um it kind of has it does that adventure time thing where it just sort of makes up whatever it wants but then somehow presents it as if it makes perfect sense in the world that it's creating right and then it also has, like
0: mythology but without the strict rules yeah it's not nearly even as, though the, as, the, the appearance of rules
2: right yeah it's not nearly as sort of random as adventure time or things like it it's, it's a little more grounded
0: right. right
2: but it still has it's very it's got bold colors um it's got a similar art aesthetic to some of those Cartoon Network cartoons. Mm-hmm. And it's very bloody, which is fun, too.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah the art's really great on that. I've, I've flipped through it a couple times in the comic books. So I've never bought it or, or dug in, but I really like the art style a lot. It's cool.
2: Yeah, it's a good-looking book. Um, and it's like it's got some subtle humor that's pretty funny. It doesn't try to be funny. Um, but I liked it. I will probably pick up another volume at some point.
0: Good title as well, Head Lobber. It he cuts
2: off a lot of heads. That's like his thing, yeah. but then he doesn't like being called a headlopper. He gets mad when people call him that because <laughs> his name is like Gronko awesome. or something. I don't forget what his name is. Um, so that's good. Andrew McLean. Uh, and then actually on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I read Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Victor E. Frankel, which okay. I don't know. Did you guys read this in like high school or whatever?
0: No, I've only ever heard about it, but never or, like, used it as reference. But no I have
2: no life. idea what led me to pick this up i just kind of grabbed it off my shelf and read it um i'm not sure that i'd ever read it before it's a holocaust narrative that's kind of a reductive way to describe it but that's largely what it is uh i really liked it it's it's pretty powerful it um it doesn't it's a very different book than something like night where he he sort of describes the I guess like the numbness or like the sort of darkness that that kind of takes over when you're in that when you're needing to survive like a really horrible situation and his his way of uh, being kind of compassionate and, and distanced at the same time we're like yeah this is fucked up but like that's the kind of fucked up that happens you know and like this is this is a normal thing for for a human to do I shouldn't say normal but this is a expected thing for a human to do in a, in a in a sort of Unimaginably horrible circumstance in its human nature and whatever is, um, it doesn't, it's not depressing as shit. You, 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 like, it it finds a way Mm -hmm. to be, I don't know if inspirational is the word, but, um, there's like, there's like some goodness in it, even though it's describing like one of the darkest things that's happened in the last 500 years.
1: Right. Like hopeful, maybe? Yeah,
2: I don't know if hope's the right word either, but it's, uh, yeah, maybe like, like almost like a, like a reassurance maybe um hmm. so it's very good I, I don't i don't know
0: what's the the date on that uh, one when was it written on.
2: 1959
0: okay yeah yeah that's interesting and it's a breezy um, read I, yeah, I read it it sounds like good a couple
2: hours, maybe 3 hours even though it's long it's quick well it's like 180 pages not that long
0: it's one of those titles i think it lends itself to easy jokes uh i can be used as a reference because it's sort of like it feels like a weighty tome but i'm glad to hear that sort of like uh more very, it,
2: it's, it's very readable and more engaging it's, read, i guess i mean it, it's largely a holocaust narrative you know written not that far removed right. from it 15 years 20 uh and that's all i've been reading well nico tell us what you're reading
3: so, as of uh, today, I've read 102 books this year. So, I just finished my my uh, goal. Yeah. Uh, Damn, dude. I mean, yeah. A lot of them are. It's like a book every three days, basically. Audiobooks and like short little pretty shorter audiobooks. <laughs> Pamphlet. How short can it be? You're counting every paragraph as a book. That, a paragraph is not a if book. If I read a sign. Yeah. If I read a menu, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow,
0: I read three books today. A couple <laughs> to of the more novellas, but yeah.
3: I, but I think I'm still going to hit a hundred actual books. <laughs>
0: Look at the subway map?
3: <laughs> and I, okay. I was hitting a really good awesome. streak. Like back the last time, about the last time we podcast, like over the summer, I had hit like, like five or six books in a row that were five stars, and. Uh, I have not hit one since (laughs) it's been all, it's been all, uh, three, mostly three stars, some four, some two, not even one stars. Like I would rather have a one star book than a three star book. Like three star book is like, eh, it's fine. So like literally since I think the summer I've read one five star book, which is this book. It's called light from uncommon stars. It is – it is – it sounds like it's going to be completely uh, – like just doesn't – won't make any sense. So it's about – it's mostly about a trans girl who is kind of orphaned when she comes out to her family and then she – but she's a really good violin player and she falls in with this teacher who is working for the devil and is trying to collect – her uh, a a seventh violinist's soul so that the teacher herself can be freed from her devil contract and then also down the street there's a group of aliens who have landed fleeing from basically mm-hmm. the anti-life equation in a different universe and they have taken over a uh, a donut shop and they and they're just like they they make donuts okay. now and they're just like anti-life equation refugees And, and then, I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, how do, how do any of those things have anything to do with each other? But then they manage to actually, uh, come together, like really like eloquently and insightfully. And I think it's the, one of the most insightful books I've read in a long time, just about like what it's like to be, you know, in a marginalized community, like in, in this one, in this case to be trans, And, uh, there's a lot about like playing the violin that you wouldn't really think would, would go into it. There's, there's just a ton of like little, little, uh, um, kind of metaphors that, uh, that are, are a lot more well done, I think, than a lot of the, the other books I've, I've read. I don't know. I mean, it's, it seems like it's, it's going to be pretty simple, like, uh, like, I also read House in the Cerulean Sea this year, and House in the Cerulean Sea is kind of like the baby version of, of this. It's like the whole House in the Cerulean Sea takeaway is like, you shouldn't demonize children for being gay. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. And then, but this one is, uh, is very, is much more insightful and like, uh, there's, you know, things about violins and how, uh, like whether a violinist, like how much the violin makes a difference to the violinist and whether the vi like the violin changing changes, the violinist playing and whether, and what about, a pl- uh, uh, the playing of a violin is, makes it, uh, makes the music. Like if you play the same piece as somebody else and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and and then there's also aliens that come in and there's the devil who just shows up and somehow this all gets resolved in a way that was like, I could not have seen coming. But it was but it was also really satisfying. Hmm. That's it. That's the only five-star book I've <laughs> read in the last six months.
0: But. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because that description, like you said, like on the face, if that was the summary, if I read in the back, I'd be like, yeah, and I'm not gonna read. That sounds yeah. terrible. Um, but I'm impressed that it's was good. Not only like a like a five star, and that it resolved. That's that's cool. Yeah. Is it set in Georgia? And, and is there a solid gold fiddle at any point?
3: Uh, I don't remember where where it's set. I think California. Oh, okay. So yeah. Devil but yeah, it's very much like devil done Georgia. That De- yeah, like. <laughs> devil down to Georgia kind of thing. I mean, but also you know that's that's a, you know <clears throat> just based on the devil you know taking your soul right. for. You know, giving you the gift of you know this thing, right? And the 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 kind of in, the interesting part about how that plays out with the teacher and the the student is like this. So the student's like extremely traumatized. She's been a, a sex worker for you know while well, she's uh, been on the been on the run, basically like been an orphan, homeless orphan, and uh, uh, the teacher takes her in. And and then she says at some point, like, you know, I'm I'm gonna you know, do the she find the student finds out about the deal with the devil and she's like, Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, this is this is a place where I can just I can actually be safe. Yeah, that's fine. I'll give right. you my soul. <laughs> right.
0: It's worth the cost. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Of the low lights, is there any particularly memorable no. not so good book or just like a bunch of Stuff you usually forgot because it was bad.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, like there haven't even been in, in many one stars in the past mm. in the past few months. It's all been like super boring, it's three and four star books, which are like four star just isn't good enough for me to recommend or even really remember. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's been a couple of kind of funny thrillers. There's one. there's one called "The Woman in My Home," uh, where uh, this this like rich lady who's like middle aged, maybe fifty, sixty, uh, she has a new boyfriend and literally everybody in her life, like her children, her friends, her family, her housekeeper, are all telling her that this guy is a creep and he's 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 bad news for you. And then it turn and she's like, No, he's not, he's just misunderstood and then it turns out no he's a creep. So for the first like two thirds of the book, you're like so she's just an idiot. <laughs> There's no, it's, it's like, if everybody is telling you that somebody is a, is a creep, then you're an idiot if you don't see it.
0: Yeah. And the suspense uh, is weird in that situation. then Cause then when it's real to you, the reader that the guy's creep, you're like, well, yeah, I would have listened to the people that were telling yeah. me he was a creep beforehand. Like I was, yeah, I was on their side.
3: And, and because like, if he's not a creep, there is no book. So, you know, he's right. a creep. Right. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of, uh, just a lot of lackluster, like, like kind of premises like that, that are just like,
0: yeah, Right. Nothing special.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dave, what about you? Which we've been reading lately? For Halloween, I read a couple of Gothic novels that I think both of which we've talked plenty about Jekyll and Hyde again, which I've read like four or five times by now, uh, and the picture of Dorian Gray. Who here has read that? I think I have. Just you? It was good. It took me a, a minute to get into it, but then once I did, I was happy. I would read it again. Read that book's And then after that, I read Rosemary's Baby, which oh, I had nice. never read before, although I'd seen the movie a I few times. Um, did you say no, bad movie? movie?
0: Great movie. Oh,
1: oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, You know, I think because I've seen the movie... Uh, a number of times, there was nothing in the book that really had me too much on edge. Right, you already know the twist. Yeah, I know the twists. I know all the you know turns and and the ending. Um, but I can definitely see that book being spooky as hell when it first came out. Yeah. Right. And I kind of wish I had read it first before before seeing the movie. So I'm glad I read it. It does feel a little bit uh dated at times. It like really has that like sixties and seventies kind of schlocky-ish feel to it, but in, in kind what of a way? in kind of a charming way. Um there's it reminds me a lot of like early Stephen King in some okay.
2: ways. Casually misogynist throughout.
1: A little bit classier Stephen gotcha. early Stephen King for sure, but
0: that's uh Ira Levin's the author, right? Correct. Right. Uh he wrote other stuff too, right? He I feel like he wrote a couple other novels that are well known or at least like were maybe adapted into movies too. Uh but I can't remember them off the top of my head. Was the ninth configuration him?
1: I don't remember. On the I, I looked at his bio afterwards and there were a couple more things that I was familiar with, but now I'm totally blanking on,
0: on what they right. are. Uh, was it faithful? Like was it, <clears throat> we you said the adaptation to the movie was pretty much the book or yes. were the things that were sort of included that were missing or?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, with the book he can get a little deeper obviously into some things than, than the film did. Um, but uh, there's, if memory serves, and it's been a few years since I've seen the movie, but I don't remember anything where the, the two are just wildly divergent.
0: Gotcha. Uh, okay, yeah. So Ira Levin's career is amazing. Uh, he wrote *A Kiss Before Dying*. Uh, yes. He also wrote *Stafford Wives* and *Boys from Brazil* uh, and *Fucking Sliver*, which became that horrible movie.
1: Oh, I don't know that one.
0: *Sliver* is that movie with um, Sharon Stone and Billy Baldwin, I think. Oh yeah. Um, it's a Joe Esther House screenplay. Um, it's like super. It's like an erotic thriller from the '90s, like one of those, you know, in that in that trend. Um, he also wrote a sequel to Rosemary's Baby in 1997 called Son of Rosemary, uh, which I wonder how that is. Um, and he wrote the play Death Trap, and No Time for Sergeants. Like he's like a this is this is a major writer for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean it was. I would. I guess I would say it's a little more literary than your standard horror book. Like a little more on its mind. Right. But, yeah, I still wish that I I didn't know how the, the story was laid out in front of me, uh, kind of going into it. Right. Obviously not the writer's fault.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's He's 12-year-old me's fault her. for me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why didn't you go back in time to uh, 1967 to read this book when it first came out? Uh, Dave, I watched the adaptation of Jekyll and Hyde uh, back in early October and thought of you because i know how much you love the book uh it's like i think it's the most perverted movie i've ever seen in my entire life i think it's just called the strange case of dr jekyll and mr hyde um it's like a very straightforward title but it's european i think it's like french maybe it's like mega horny uh oh yeah <laughs> it's it's insane <laughs> like it's such a weird fucking movie well there's
1: this prevailing theory that um hyde, uh or that Jekyll is um, kind of stuffing down his own homosexuality and then hide. Oh, interesting. When unleashed is that's what he spends most of his time doing.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Pursuing that. There's definitely some of that for sure. Uh, It's it's sort of a pansexual uh, assault, I guess. Um, Mm. It's just, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, It was really good. It's very effective in how assaultive it is, but like, from like the first frame you're like oh this is definitely a perver movie and then it's like yep and then you learn <laughs> later on the director also made a bunch of like artie porn and you're like okay yeah this will this is nice, yeah up. yeah uh but Wasn't the there end, an old
1: universal Jekyll and Hyde too
0: Yeah I think with Spencer Tracy right like the the classy version um in this one the climax is like I've, I I've never read the books so I, I don't know if this is true to the plot or not but like Dr Jekyll's white like, Oh, sorry good
2: well, just, wasn't Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde one of the first movies.
0: I think so, yeah. Um like e- ever. Oh, I don't know about that. Hang on. And so in this movie, uh in the end Dr. Jekyll's like fiance or wife, I guess, uh discovers what he's doing and she like when he to transform, he gets in a bath with a bunch of the chemicals and like just like spazzes out and then goes on a rampage. Um so she finds what he's doing and she gets in the in the bath herself and becomes like a Mrs. Hyde and then he turns into Mr. Hyde and they just like go, they like capture a stagecoach and go like have sex in it as the horseman's like driving them away. And there's like going to go kill a bunch of people and be maniacs. It's like, huh. yeah, this rules. This is yeah. Like-
1: absolutely. <laughs> zero. That is fair. There are no baths. There's, he doesn't even have a love interest. He's single, just like oh, wow. single okay. aging. They keep talking about how old he is. And then at one point you learn, he's like 50. <laughs> like,
0: fuck. <laughs> Decrepit old. old man who's <laughs> yeah. just about to turn forty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like I think they call him elderly. <laughs> so you picture this old man and then suddenly you learn he's like just a few years older than you are and you're gonna <laughs> die. I'm
0: gonna start calling him Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> uh I'll find the director and uh send it to you, Dave. You should watch yeah, it. Yeah, that sounds uh, interesting. Yeah, it was fucking wild. I really enjoyed it, but it's nuts. Great. Anything else from you, Dave? Reading wise? Uh no not much on my end i've had been going through a couple things so it's been hard to to read content content on reading lately but i did find something that sort of was able to capture my attention recently so you know i've mentioned tom king's work on this podcast a lot i'm in the bag for tom king i read basically everything he publishes he was the writer of mr miracle and you know a bunch of other comics that i've liked a lot uh, and some i haven't liked as much either uh, but I tend to like his stuff pretty much universally. So he's got a series coming out, I think, in January called Danger Street, and it's like a twelve-issue maxi series. And the high concept is it's all based on characters from this very strange series from DC Comics in the seventies called the First Issue Spectacular or First Issue Special, which was a a thing where one editor was joking to like the. Uh, major the head editor or whatever the main editor of DC comics about how first issues are the ones that sell best right and they were joking like what if there was just a series of all just first issues and the guy was like Carmen and fatino was like great idea let's do that which is like kind of a nuts idea so it was a series of just all first issues and the idea was if they you know whichever one sold best would get sort of turned into a series if they sort of got attention almost like a tryout kind of series tryout books for you know, the creators in there are still able to do new stuff or see what they wanted to do. So they're all first issues. They're all 13 totally different stories, different characters. None of them continue into each other. Uh, and so Tom King's going to try and weave some kind of master narrative that sort of does tie them together. So I was curious about this. I'm looking forward to it. As I look forward to all his stuff. And so I wanted to read the initial series and found they had published a collection of them a couple of years ago. So I got that to look at. And they're bonkers. It's fucking insane. Uh, they're all weird. Uh, so some of them are characters who are well-known. Uh, there's, like, a new god story. Um, there's a metamorpho story. is a long-standing character. A couple of piece, things like that. Uh, but also a bunch of new characters, too. Like, there's a, uh atlas, you know, based on the, the character of, from mythology. Um, there's one called Lady Cop, which is about a lady cop. Uh, there's... Several different young teen or like young kid gang stories, like one called the Green Team, which is about kids who are millionaires, and one called the Dinkbats of Danger Street, who are just like a gang of misfits who get adventures. Um, a lot of them are by Jack Kirby, uh, and a lot of them are by like really sort of well-known famous artists. But they're all just absolutely bugfuck. Like Lady Cop was such a weird. It's one of the weirdest stories I've ever read. So in this in the span of twenty pages or so in Lady Cop. This woman witnesses her roommate being murdered, vows to become a cop to track down the killers, does become a cop, is assaulted at her graduation, stops a crime, stops an assault on the street during her first patrol, uh like it almost is assassinated and then later throws a guy in a in a lake and then uh still has not uh, investigated the killers of her roommate or whatever. It's like it's like 9000 plots happen in one issue. And just comparison, like modern comics, like modern comics would tell those nine plots of the series of like seven years, right? You would never, you would never get to the like next beat because it was, like, takes so long to get them. And Lady Cop is like, no, no, no. Every page is a new story, basically. It's nuts. I can't say it's good, but it was really fun to read. Um, so I'm looking forward to Danger Street when these things sort of get kind of repurposed. Um, I'm sure I'll have more to say about it then. But for now, I'm really enjoying the sort of fun stupidity of the first issue special. You get the collection on Hoopla, if you're interested it's really fun um and very you know it, it demands nothing of you it's, it's not challenging the slightest which is kind of exactly what i need do right now
3: how many of those issues do you wish uh, had gotten serious
0: i mean kind of all of them in a in a sort of strange way right like i would love to see what it ha- what would happen with lady cop if it ran to like 13 issues right it's like what where could this possibly have gone some of them are characters that were you know, like Metamorpho was a longtime character even before the first issue special. So that's just like there's other Metamorpho stories out there. Same with Manhunter and Doctor Fate and the Creeper. The D Bats of Danger Street, not so much. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of boring. Uh, it's like by Jack Kirby, who I love, but like it was just like I don't know. There's a it's like f- four kids in a gang. One of them is just like a big idiot. One of them is like a he's like handsome, I guess is his power or his like ability. One of them is uh very skinny and like aggressive and one of them is like uh seems to be like schizophrenic it's just like, a weird like mix of I mean, they, they have an adventure and it's it's nuts <laughs> it's just like, like i can't believe this is happening so but, but i think yeah i would love to see like what would happen if they extend the deep ends of danger street to another six issues like how would it have been just as stupid like uh, but Lady Cop is the winner so far. I was really, I was really happy with how nuts Lady Cop was. Oh, so the title, Lady Cop, like just like a reflection of the time for sure.
3: Kind of sound. It kind of reminds me of Assy McGee. Do you ever watch that? <laughs> yes. It was like, a, it was like an Adult Swim joke on a different show that they they were going to make a show where it was just a cop that was an ass on two legs
0: with a gun and he,
3: and he like just shot a lot of people and was always, and they're like, Oh, assy McGee. <laughs> and then yeah. they made it into a series.
0: Yeah. And, and it, was it was really was funny. Like,
3: that was, yeah. It's had to be the longest, like extended single joke, basically.
0: Yeah. Like that year of adult swim. And it was like, it was just like a sort of your stoner friends jokes that didn't oh, yeah. get sort of a budget and a chance to yeah. turn into something and see what happens. Yeah, that was a I, good year. I mean, that
3: whole generation of Adult Swim, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, readers, that's what I've been reading. What are you been reading these days? Uh, tell us your thoughts on uh, Twitter, uh, as long as it lasts, at Yak Babies. And then you can also email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with your suggestions, your you know, new exciting reads. Give Nico something to read. It's a five-star. He needs one. Uh, let's hear those things. Um, also, you can go find our bonus podcast on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Shackbabies where you can get all kinds of fun stuff there. There's separate podcast series like the 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked, which we have sort of preview of on the main feed recently. Uh, there's also Snack Babies, where we talk about all things in the world of snacks and games and so forth. All kinds of fun happening there. Only a dollar a month. Uh, so get that and enjoy it. And of course our merch, uh, tinyurl.com slash yakbabies. A sale is going on for our merch these days. It's like 20% off. Um, So get yourself a wacky shirt that no one in your friend group will understand and don't be mysterious and cool as a result. Uh, And then uh, send us a picture so we can see you uh, boasting your Yakbabies merch in the wild.
2: Last summer I gave my brother one of I don't know if they're still up. There was the shirts that had an ice cream sandwich and it said the number one toilet snack. I gave it to my brother, and he's like, what, what is this? <laughs> so don't worry. to What do you want me to do with that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was the most recent one you put up, Brick, the most, the newest design?
2: Uh, it was the Giving Tree, wooden furniture.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: That's
0: really good. And
2: then I got a, there's, there's a moldy box in the three bears one coming soon and later. Oh, and I excellent. I to find the right graphics for it.
0: Yeah, the Giving Tree one is from one of the darkest things we've ever done in this podcast, which was the emi game about kids' books titles, right? Yeah, Yeah. and the Giving Tree one was poetically sinister in a way (laughs) I can't even possibly (laughs) express. (laughs) But that's that. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off.
2: The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft.